Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Well, how did Jesus live the lifestyle on earth? As a man? Yes. Was he God? Yes. Did he live it as God? No. He lived it as a man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He ministered in the power of the Spirit. Now everything Jesus did while he was on this earth was done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you telling me this morning that as a Christian, I can be effective without it? Impossible. Any brief review of man's history will quickly reveal our best intentions simply aren't good enough. The desire for world peace is honorable, but with man's own efforts, we continue to struggle for such a goal. On a more individual level, we often find that our best days of self-improvement are mediocre at best. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark discusses the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. What might seem impossible to man can quickly become an accomplishment of the past by relying on the strength of God. In our message, we learn the importance of relying on the Spirit to achieve the otherwise unachievable. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 16 with the continuing study entitled, The Benefits of Obedience. And Jesus could only operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, watch this. Before Jesus could take one step into ministry, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes on him. And use whatever terms you want. I don't care. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, Spirit-filled life, anointing is a good term. In the old days, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came on certain people for certain things. And you would kind of know what a king would be anointed with God's wisdom and power. And the oil would flow over him. By the way, the oil is a, is a principle of the Holy Spirit. And so, before Jesus can begin one day, this is the start of his ministry. He has to obey. He's water baptized. He identifies with man. God comes down and goes, you obeyed me. That's great. And then he anoints him. He fills Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Then he is absolutely able to now minister. If that doesn't happen, he can't minister. Now, if he put his God side into effect, sure he could minister, but he sets it aside. Why? To show us we can't minister. We don't have a God side to put into operation. I just have a man's side, and I need God. Get that in your mind. So he is baptized as an example for us in the Spirit. Now, this isn't a surprise to us. It isn't a surprise to the Old Testament people. It wasn't a surprise to Jesus. Look at the screen. We'll go through it really quick. The Old Testament, over and over, talked about Jesus, the Messiah, when he came, that the Spirit of God, the anointing, the power of God, would be on him. 
Now, here's Isaiah 42.1. Here is my servant, speaking of Jesus, whom I uphold, my chosen one, and whom I delight. I will put my spirit, remember this word, on him. On him. On him. If you've been here with us on Wednesday nights as we go through the book of Isaiah, you understand where this comes for. Look at Isaiah 61.1. We haven't got to that yet. The spirit of the sovereign Lord, speaking about the Messiah, is on me. And because of that... All these things happen. He has anointed me. So the power of God enables us, anoints us, equips us to do the ministry that God wanted. Notice, preach the good news, bind up the broken heart, proclaim freedom to the captives, release from darkness and the prisoners. So this was not a surprise to Jesus. He knew it was absolutely going to happen. So the moment that the Spirit through that dove, descended upon Jesus. That was his anointing. He was now empowered, not with man, but with the power of God for ministry. Turn with me to Acts 10, 37. Acts 10, 37. What was the ministry of Jesus like? We kind of see in that verse what it's going to be like. It was predicted it would be like that. This is Luke telling us after Jesus ministered how it actually happened. Look at it. Acts 10, verse 37. It's kind of summary of Jesus' life. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee. Notice, after the baptism that John preached. Well, what happened? How God, circle the word, anointed Jesus of Nazareth. With what? Here's the word again. With the Holy Spirit. You can start filling in your sheets. (laughs) I know that now. Jesus was anointed, filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And power. And how then he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. Well, how did Jesus live the lifestyle on earth? As a man? Yes. Was he God? Yes. Did he live it as God? No. He lived it as a man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He ministered in the power of the Spirit. Now, everything Jesus did while he was on this earth was done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you telling me this morning that as a Christian, I can be effective without it? Impossible. Understand this. Notice. The reason I need the power of God in me and through me is because, look at the last, verse, last part of verse 38, because people are under the power of the devil. You see, there's an influence, there's a power in this world that's against me living a victorious life. This morning in my life, I need God's power to say no to sin. I need God's power to be faithful in my marriage. I need God's power not to compromise at work or at school. I need God's power to witness. I need God's power to stand for Christ no matter what. I can't do that in myself. I wasn't designed to do it in myself. And yet, where do we find most Christians? Many Christians that understand this principle, they're right here. They understand it. But the practicality of it is, they are not practicing it. So what do we have? We have defeated people. We have discouraged people. We have depressed people. The, The divorce rate in the church is exactly the same as the world. Why? Our kids are getting pregnant just like the world on drugs. Why? Porn, pornography, stuff on the internet. A Christian exactly the same as the world. Why? One reason. No power in their life. 
Well, how do we rectify that? We go back to what God told us to do. To be filled with the Spirit. It's a lifestyle. It's time to change our world. It starts with you. It starts with me. So Jesus is going to give us some commands. And he's going to say, I I couldn't take one step into my ministry until I was filled. But here we are as Christians going, hey, cool, service over yet, man? Get me out of here. I got to do some things at home. Not even thinking about God. This morning, I'm going to give you three things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through your life. Write them down. Won't take long. We might be five minutes over, but that's kind of normal. (laughs) Sentence you want to write is this. In obedience to the command of Jesus, we must be baptized in, filled with, overflowed with, anointed. I don't care what term you use. Who cares? But I have to have God's power operate in my life. Every one of the Gospels, Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, all state that Jesus will baptize believers in the Holy Spirit. Turn to John 14, 17. John 14, 17. I'm going to give you three principles so that you will see. Now remember, after we get to the first two, most of you are going to be okay. The third one, some of you are going to go, no, 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 just... Put your stuff behind you from the other church. We're not perfect, but just think about it for a while. Because I think it's going to make a lot of sense to you. John 14, 17. Now, get me, get this clear. Those of you in the commons, those of you in the cafetorium, you pay attention. On the internet, pay attention to the These principles will begin to change your life. And then we're going to experience it on Wednesday night. John 14, 17. Jesus says this. Speaking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept Him. Because it neither sees him or knows him. The world doesn't get this thing about the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian this morning, this means nothing to you. It's because the author of the Bible, who is the Holy Spirit, doesn't live in you. Then it says this. He says to his disciples, But you know him. For, number one, he lives with you. And number two, he will be in you. Here's the first. Before salvation, and salvation will only happen after Jesus goes to the cross... And is resurrected. Before the salvation, the Holy Spirit, this is old days, dwells with us. The word with you is para in the original language. It means alongside. Before salvation, the Holy Spirit is with us. He's alongside us. What If you're not a Christian this morning, what is the Holy Spirit doing here? Well, he's convicting you of your sin. And he's convicting you and saying you're not right with God and there's judgment that awaits you and God loves you. And he's really saying to you right now, You better listen to that guy on the stage here because what he's saying is exactly right. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. Before we became Christians, the Holy Spirit has to convict us. The pastor doesn't convict you by screaming and shouting about it. The Holy Spirit gently goes, you're never going to heaven unless you take care of the sin problem. And then he kind of gives you a few of these and people speak to you and he's always beside you, just gently convicting you and saying... Jesus Christ is right. He died for you. That's the first role of the Holy Spirit. His goal is to have every sinner become a Christian. Second, John tells us he lives with you, but notice then he will be what? In you. That's the second thing you want to write this morning. After salvation, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. The Greek word is in. It means regeneration. At the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit moves from alongside 
inside to dwell in me, to live in me, to take up permanent residence in me. Now we have a perfect picture of the disciples, and I want you to see this, how it happened in those days. Until the time of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the Holy Spirit had been with the disciples. He couldn't come into them yet because Jesus hadn't died on the cross. So he was drawing them to Jesus, obviously following them. Now, after the resurrection, the work of salvation was now complete, and the Holy Spirit could take a different role. Remember, Jesus said, he lives with you, but he will be, he'll dwell in you. John 20, 22. Let me give you the the understanding of this verse. After Jesus went to the cross, was resurrected, after that, we have New Testament salvation. Blood's taken care of. The Holy Spirit now can live in me. So Jesus goes to his disciples. Verse 22 is their New Testament regeneration. This is where they became believers. He goes to his disciples and says this. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, who had been alongside them, comes and lives in them. What does the Holy Spirit do in us? Well, he seals us in the body of Christ. He comes in to change us forever. He comes in to conform us to be like Jesus. It's an inside job. Every single Christian has the Holy Spirit living in them. You can't be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit in you. It's impossible. So some of you were raised in a doctrine that says something like this. Well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. That's hogwash. That's horrible doctrine. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit living in them. So let me ask you a question today. Let's see if you can get this clear before you leave. If you're a Christian this morning, does the Holy Spirit live in you? Any doubts? Absolutely not. He seals you. He conforms you. He's changing you. He's working in you. The fruit of the Spirit, it's going to be happening in your life. Now, there's a verse that many of you were confused about because you you say, that's it. That's all done. I'm done. Finished. No, by the way, let me just make this statement. And when you become a Christian, you have all the Holy Spirit you'll ever get. But here's the problem. For most people, the Holy Spirit doesn't have all of you. Did you get it? Okay. So, the Holy Spirit then baptizes the believer into this body of Christ. Into the body of Christ. Now, some of you are already struggling with that. Just like I told you, forget your back teaching. Don't throw it away, but think what I'm saying. See, in Jesus' day, there's no confusion here. Well, that's it for the Holy Spirit. We don't believe that thing is the Holy Spirit. That's it. You're going to see in a moment, Jesus is going to say, oh, no, there's more. Oh, there can't be more. I've been taught there is no more. Hold it. So I'm a Christian. I'm born again. The Holy Spirit lives in the disciples. Turn to Acts 1-4. This is Jesus' last day on earth. He's leaving. He won't be here. He has already given the Great Commission. Look at me. He's already given the Great Commission. Now, how are you going to go into all the world and make disciples without God's power? You say, well, they've got all the power they need. No, they do not. Now, let me ask you a question. This is a few days later. Do the disciples... Have the Holy Spirit living in them. Tell me. Absolutely. They're Christians. But notice what he says. Jesus says in verse 4. On one occasion while he was eating with them. His last day on earth. 
He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, here we go again, right from the first verse I started with, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Oh, no, 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 no. We've, we've, you already breathed on us. We're, we're, we're fine. No, that was your salvation. That was the inward work of the Spirit. You have the Spirit. Absolutely, you have the Spirit. You are regenerated. But you're not ready to minister. There's another step. By the way, notice, when we become a Christian, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. In this, Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Way different. Point number three says this. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. You say, well, where do you get that from? Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Jesus says this. But you will receive power, dunamis, not man's ability, when the Holy Spirit comes, circle the word, on. The Greek word is a P. When he comes on you, and after the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will laugh like a silly hyena for your whole life. (laughs) You will dance around the church and make a fool of yourself for Jesus. No. By verse 8, just write this, power with a purpose. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's an absolutely requirement. It's something after salvation. It's a lifestyle. Point number three, the Holy Spirit comes on us. A P overflows us, empowers us, anoints us, equips us. It's moving the ministry of me outside of myself. It's no longer an inward work. Now it's an outward work. And I go to the world. And we know in Acts chapter 2, down around verse 4, this happened to the 120 people as they waited. They were all filled with the Spirit, baptized with the Spirit, anointed with the Spirit, overflowed with the Spirit, whatever you want to say. It came upon them. They were already believers. The disciples were there. Mary was there. All the people, the 120, were already believers. This was something subsequent to that act. It's the third role of the Holy Spirit. Then Peter stands up and begins to preach. Turn to Acts chapter 2 down about verse 36. Listen to me closely. You know the Peter who just a few days before denied the Lord. You remember him, don't you? You remember Peter, the guy that always changes feet in his mouth? Constantly doing something wrong, afraid to even stand. Remember the little girl came and said, Oh, you're one of him. Oh, no, I'm not one of him. Lied three times. After this experience, you see a different Peter. You see a Peter bold. He now gives his first sermon. First sermon ever. He speaks as all of the 120 did in tongues. Don't get hung up with tongues. That's weird stuff. You think, well, that, don't. Just relax. That is very little part of the Holy Spirit. But they did speak in those tongues. All those people heard. So all these Jews got together. Be like you. And then Peter gives this great sermon. And he's really bold. Look what he says in verse 36 to the Jews. He said, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Notice what he goes. You killed him. Now that's pretty bold in front of the Jews, isn't it? You're the ones. Now he didn't say like, you're the ones. He just said, you killed him. He wasn't afraid any longer. 
He spoke the truth of Jesus. And when he did, what he said to him was, this was the Messiah. You missed it. Notice verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to their heart. Someone has said that before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Peter just flung his sword everywhere in the flesh, cutting off ears. and Now that he's filled, he effectively uses the sword of the Spirit. And the people say, what should we do? Peter responds in verse 38, look at it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And by the way, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some of you this morning in this room have never obeyed that first command. Repent. Ask God to come into your heart. You see, the Holy Spirit this morning, if you're not a Christian, he's, he's beside you. Listen. He's been doing this all service. On your heart. He says, uh, this is your day to have your life changed. So you have to start by repenting. And then Peter says this. You repent. You by faith accept Jesus. Then you be water baptized. And by the way, when you accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit came from beside you and went in you. Now I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Correct? I have him in me. But then you have the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And here's where some other people have a problem. Pastor Mark, I believe that. But it was for those days. Now, we live in different days. We we don't need God's power today. Now, let me just ask you logically. That would have never been a question in those days. Oh, well, we don't need this. We don't need this. What? Peter needed it. 3,000 people got saved. You say, well, it was for those days, but it's not for today. I should read the last verse, and this is what we close with. This is very encouraging to me. Look at verse 39. This promise is for you, those people there on the day of Pentecost, for your children, in other words, the next generation, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. By the way, we're far off. What does this mean? The promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everyone who would ever become a Christian. Why? Why is that promise there? Because there's no way to live a victorious, overflowing life that changes our world. And yes, I'm constantly filled with the Spirit. By the way, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is simply the first step. Ephesians 5.18 says, keep on being filled with the Spirit. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark reflected on the importance of the Holy Spirit. Not only did he clear up some misconceptions about the Spirit, but we also learned the importance of relying on the Spirit. Each and every day is an opportunity to serve God's kingdom. But as we learned in our message, it's important that we rely on the strength of the Spirit and not our own. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us about some of the things we can expect when coming to Christ. In our message, we'll learn about the spiritual battle taking place in the background of each of our lives. Pastor Mark will also teach us the difference between God testing us and Satan who tempts us. Be sure to join us for our next message entitled, The Battle Begins on Lessons for Living. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurry.